thinking about opinions. What do you mean? Like other people's opinions, your opinion? Uh, how everything is an opinion. <laughs> if you go to a doctor who is an expert, right? Mm -hmm. And you say, this is blah, 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 what's happening with my leg? And he goes, well, obviously, this is the problem. That's my official opinion, right? Mm -hmm. And then you say, I don't like that answer. I want another opinion, which admits that everything that doctors do is just their personal opinion. It's built right into the language. Yeah. We're admitting that experts are just offering their, just, just their opinion. <laughs> it may be right or it may be wrong. But it's only an opinion. Hired a doctor once. I was <laughs> 17 and I was <clears throat> at the cancer center and this guy comes in and I just lost the sight in my eye and he kept like insisting that I could see. Hmm. Yeah. And I was supposed to because I was trained like everyone else to believe that, you know, you just listen to the doctor. But I couldn't listen to that guy. So I sent him away. <laughs> I appreciate their <laughs> process. Like the x-ray. I appreciate the x-ray. Um, I appreciate, you know, there's some, like my brain surgery. Yeah, I appreciate my brain surgery. The doctors that have worked out for me were operating a little more intuitively. Mm -hmm. So they weren't making it all about them. Anyway, so where I was going with that is, so everything that we know is circumstantial evidence, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why it's just an opinion. Because we actually can't prove much. I mean, we can, we can prove that on earth, if you stick your hand in a fire, it burns. We can prove stuff like that. But in general, we don't really have any proof for almost everything that a doctor does. So they're just working on guesswork. And they get to be called experts. That makes you and me experts. Because oh, we have opinions. <laughs> <laughs> we're back on experts. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I'm so proud. anyway. <laughs> so since you're an expert, your time is valuable. So if you had to cancel uh, for just a couple people or whatever, that's the kind of thing an expert would do. You know, that's what I came to. Not that there was expertise in that decision at all. It was uh, energy fed to creative endeavors. Like where I focus it is where it comes to fruition. And this, this podcast is, is important to me, mostly for free speech. I, I like the way that we kind of just, you know, talk and share our opinions. <laughs> that's right. Sharing opinions. It has returns that we don't know that they, that we even get. No, and it's a. Uh, I appreciate the storytelling and the, you know, none of it's true as you know permanent truth because, like you were saying, it's not there. But just two, two people's opinions. <laughs> Maybe right? our educated guesses, right? Right, and I mean, like always seek a second opinion, especially like meditation. Yoga, you know, life. Because you don't have to take any of them as gospel, but you definitely can build a, 
a different picture if you're trying to seek a perspective, a particular perspective. Well, and since we can't really trust, just blindly trust things, that means we got to go personal route. If you're serious about the best path for you, then it can't be somebody else's path because that's based on their opinions. Right. Their perspective, their experience. Yeah. And you can connect in similar experience. You can connect in it, but it's still two very different experiences and how the, how it affected the person can be similar, but it's always going to be a little bit different. And that everybody, you know, it's even in, I see it in, in the yoga class where someone asks me, where are you, where am I supposed to feel this stretch? <laughs> and, and that's so unique to how you choose to use your body. It depends what you do with your body, what, repetitive motions you take you know how you treat it where you store your tension your emotions in your body so we could be doing a forward fold and one person could be feeling it in their hamstrings and the next person could be feeling it in their lower back and everybody wants to know where the right way to feel is you know what's the right thing to feel where where if i can do my job well i can teach them to feel themselves, you know, know themselves, know their own bodies, feel for their alignment. And and for me, when I could translate that off my mat to feel my alignment, I could take that kind of with me. Well, I could take it with me. So alignment, you're exactly right, is something you, f- you feel. And if you're brave enough to go into your sh- stuff, um, it's not about following someone else's path or the right path, but taking that machete and carving your own in the adventure of what you want to be curious about in this life. The second chakra, the birth of you. <laughs> this this one's uh, supposedly associated with the color orange, the second chakra, <clears throat> which is which makes me happy because that's my favorite color. When, when I look at some of the stuff online about chakras and they have a list of various things, like for instance, the element is water, petals of the lotus is six, you know, mm-hmm. identity is emotional. Again, we're down to where I'm just trusting the fact that somebody gathered up all this information and went blah, you know, on the internet. And that's where most of us are at with these. We don't really understand why they're saying you know, for instance, the planets, Mercury, Jupiter, Moon, it, it really is meaningless because we don't have the background information for all of those pieces. So does that really matter? In the end? No. No. I feel like the study of the chakras allowed me to navigate different questions about myself and how I was relating to the world. But the goal of learning the information is to let it go and rest in presence. So I don't think that the, the study was useless. But in the end, you have to put it down and, stop, and not try to find meaning in everything, you know? No, it, well, to our lives now, does the mythological animal associated with, with it matter? Probably not. Unless it happens to be dog or cat, because that's usually what people have for animals these days. I think it's a beautiful map to even look at, like, to self-realization. But I'm big into the chakras, right? Like, (laughs) I've 
dedicated a lot of a lot of time to them. But I don't think it's necessary to get to any space of enlightenment or I don't think you need to study them. No, I completely agree. So, but some of the highlights of the second one, which we're talking about today. So it's tied up with quite a few emotions, correct? Yeah. And, and your relation to the body. The first chakra that we talked about last time, which is the, the physical materialization of your body, is very closely tied to the second chakra. So how you have been taught about things like sexuality, pleasure, um, finances, process emotions, because it is the center of emotion, you're right. But it's where you you bring that all into your body. Now, I know somebody that's having back trouble right now. Yeah. And I just feel like, because <clears throat> it's it's this uh, sciatic nerve, mm-hmm. feels like to me that it's between the two, between the first and second. Um, so we we had a conversation today a little bit about it, and I was just list, you know listening to his, to where he thinks he's at with it, <clears throat> and he feels that he's done things wrong with his physical body, and that's resulted in this. But it felt to me like he was missing the emotional side of what might be going on. Um, yeah. So he's blaming it on <laughs> the flesh. You know, mobile. <laughs> yeah, too much weightlifting and stuff like that. I appreciate in the, in the view of holistic healing where they can, you know, bring it to a space of mental awareness as well. Like you're thinking it could be suppressed emotions. I think it might be three or four things together, not just one thing. It's not just the fact that <clears throat> he might have lifted too many kettlebells or whatever. It might be that, but it might be some emotions, and it might have been repetitive stress from something he did at work. Mm-hmm. Could be all like several things. How he's treating the body when he's working out. Mm-hmm. Because there's a, there's a very big difference between punishing the body and using the body. I know of some people that use exercise as a form of stress relief in punishment. Like they overlift things, which tears muscles. Like they like to feel the pain. They want to feel that pain in their physical body. And then people who can enjoy the same sport, like say weightlifting, can feed their body well and, you know, like gradually build up to the weights that they're, you know, with the honor to their body. And th- and that's the second, the honor, the honor of being here, of being in this physical body, experiencing the experiences, which uh, a physical experience is, you know, that the way a grape pops in your mouth when you bite into it those kind of exhilarating, fascinating experiences that, that take place. Or it can be a very dark and scary place of punishment and discomfort, right? There's two sides to it. <laughs> and they're both equally real. And important. Okay, and so I don't, I don't know much about how it relates to creation. Um, 
The second chakra is the grouping of nerves that supply energy to the sex organs. For the women, it's also concentrated in the uterus where the where you would grow a baby, the space of creation. We all arrive from the uterus. Um, it is also the birthplace of our arts. You know, how much play. It is also play. So I see a lot of adults with lower back issues, which tend to house the mental constructs or the programming in money. Pleasure. Sometimes people are overdoing pleasure. You know, you can overdo and underdo pleasure too. Um, people with sexual trauma, sexuality is in the second, where you create connection. Like you actively plug into your partner's first and second chakra during intercourse. Um, families closely related there, relationships, not just with intimate partners, but also friends. And how you how you perceive all these things, you know, would would determine what kind of energy you're holding in your second chakra. Okay, so now how you perceive all these things, that's gonna be why I've heard that guilt can be centered around there. Oh yeah. Because all, all the things you just mentioned there, there's a lot of a lot of guilt for some people. Well for let's say ninety nine percent of people. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're gonna hit it. You're gonna hit pretty much everybody. If I mean, and if they don't have guilt, maybe it's landing somewhere on the narcissistic spectrum. You know, like <laughs> every one of us um, has. If you, I mean, if you've been blessed enough to exist on the planet for any amount of time, you've experienced some sort of traumatic second chakra event. Whether you lost money or you know, like it, it very closely tied to the security of the first chakra you know um most people who end up in the sex trade are from an educated background or have experienced severe amounts of sexual trauma so the lines get blurred the perception gets blurred of what's healthy what's not healthy what you allow what's safe uh, same with people who are risky with their money. No real, no real understanding of what's safe to do with their money. You know, they're gonna win it back on the next spin. Are artists that never create? People who don't create anything. That's gonna give you low back troubles. Oh yeah. <laughs> Every morning, I sit at work and I look at everybody on their phones and then I draw, and I wonder. And I can't help but wonder, most of them are so tied up in phones these days. So there'll be, you know, 20, 30 dudes I can see on their phone and they're all on their phone. And that's what they do with their morning. It's crazy. I think, or I feel maybe like that's a, a false space of connection, which I feel that, you know, connection starts in the physical that you feel someone's vibes and you're kind of, you know, you're, you're just attracted to them, whether I mean, it doesn't need to be sexually or just attracted to them in friendship or just as a human being, they interest you. They, 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 they kind of draw you in magnetically, magnetically. And uh, when we're in the phones, it's like a bunch of people are connecting on a very surface visual level. 
not that feeling level. And that's what would be the second, that feeling, the emotions, the the feeling, the connection of the the people you're with. And I mean, sometimes that's a nice experience and sometimes that's not. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's worse than ever because everybody at work has to sit a minimum of let's say they've spread it out so you're at least eight feet apart now. Mm-hmm. So it used to be if you were sitting closer to each other and you were on your phone, you can at least show other people what you were doing once in a while. Now there's just dead silence. But the thing is that they're using up that time, that same time that I'm drawing with, they're just gone. And that's how they use all their spare time. Mm-hmm. So before you might get bored and you might actually, if you were, if you were artistically minded at all and you were bored, you might draw if there was nothing else to do. But now you get sucked into your phone. Mm-hmm. So I do both. I uh, Maybe I do too many things in one day. I probably pound the phone a little too hard in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, I read, I read a whole bunch of articles. I don't really bother with social media at all right now, but, you know, look to see what's going on in the world. And then I put that down and then I do a whole bunch of art and then I do a whole bunch of work. I'm maybe overactive, but. You got the H. <laughs> <laughs> I did not get the H. <laughs> the H in ADHD. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Uh, we sell. There's a biological effect to the use of the cell phone, like a, a very a very significant biological effect. And the second chakra is the body. That's uh, yoga poses are. Second chakra activity, you tending to your physical body in a space of peace and connection. Um, But I was going to, at T-Rox, we started selling blue block lenses Mm -hmm. to use with your computer. Lots of people with prescription glasses can have that added to their their lenses. I do for me and the kids. Um, But if you don't wear glasses, you can buy these glasses and they they Mm -hmm. help from the brain receiving the blue light, which causes all sorts of sleep issues, um, hormone imbalances, and the rate of exposure depends on the side effects. So it's, I, and there's been significant amounts of study put into the biological effect of the devices, you know, through the endocrine system. And that's, uh, I even forgot that I have it activated, but the, the iPhone has a redshift you can turn on mm-hmm. and you can adjust it to block the blue light after a certain time of day. And I have mine set to start at six in the afternoon, mm-hmm. six in the evening, and it goes right until nine in the morning. So my phone is giving off red light mostly. It's set for winter. And then I just leave it like that. In theory, <clears throat> so I absorb less blue light because one thing I know is if I catch a glimpse of my phone, at about 10 o'clock at night, it'll wake me wide up if it isn't like that. So worst thing that could happen to me is if I accidentally forget to put my phone on do not do not disturb. <laughs> yeah. And somebody texts me in the middle of the night. That's a terrible thing. So I totally believe that that's that for me. So the mental diet that affects your physical body. I think TV as well. Mm-hmm the environment you surround yourself in like the the people what what you're ingesting mentally from your from your support group or your your friends or your 
the people you know in your community, you know, who you're choosing to hang out with? Are you doing that in the space of of service to yourself or are you allowing yourself to be you know, taken advantage of or your your self worth, how you're feeling about yourself, there's the emotions again. But I guess so it's gonna be a lot like junk food. So as long as you have a reasonably healthy diet, mm. a bag of chips isn't gonna throw you under the bus. Oh. So same thing with people or TV or whatever. If as long as you're not doing all the things all the time. We have food, gambling. I mean, you know, have, <laughs> have fun and play. That's where the play comes in. Are you playing with it or does it own you? Does it own you? Does the does the phone own you? Does the sex own you? Does the your know, alcohol own you? Does the meditation own you? Does this, you know, your love for Jesus? Does that own you know, like can you and but I, what I mean own you is um the amount of time that it takes occupying your thoughts. Owning your thoughts. Because as an addict, like I've been an addict to a lot of things. Um when you can spend a lot of time in ritual with your addictions. And your addictions are what's affecting your physicality, your your body, you know. So was it, you know, was that guy addicted to the gym? So now we're back to guilt. Right? Because and, guilt might make you stick with too much gym or mm-hmm. you might feel like <clears throat> if you don't put out extra hard, you know, bulk up fast enough. You're not worthy. Yeah, you're just no good. So you can't even take a day off because if say, say your, your knee hurts or something because you've been running too much, you might feel guilty for not running. You might think, Oh, it'll be okay. I can't, you know, I can't back off on this. That could be um, based on how you think other people are going to perceive you more than anything, probably. Or just a, a love of shaming the self. Yeah. You know, I think I can go there. Well, I know I can go there. You know, just find, you know, some shame's really deep. Mm-hmm. Like, really deep. There's people that uh, specifically use shame consciously to get things. They know they're using shame. I've been told that my one boss said, uh, he explained how he was going to make everybody ashamed for what they did to get more work out of them next week. Oh, that's charming. Yeah. Your morale boosted there. <laughs> <laughs> but he's back just tightened up twice because now his job's in the line, you know? <laughs> well, that's a real personal attack too. Yeah, that's power. It hits you right where it hurts. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the struggle for power would exist in the... In the second, too. And the minds. I mean, they're all interconnected. So as we move through the chakras, it's all going to relate back. They loop back on each other. It, it, uh, you know, it's all connected. Your hip bone is connected to your shoulder bone very drastically. Your feet, you know? Yeah, well, there's no, uh, yeah, there's no specific energy point that most people cover at the feet, although there is energy points there that relay back back to the main ones, right? So is there spots in your feet that are going to be directly connected to first, second, third, fourth? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, you start pushing those buttons and people start singing like canaries. <laughs> you know? Um, so kidney and bladder yeah. is right in that area. And, and that's where we generally get kidney stones and bladder stones. Yeah. Fight. Um, what's going on energetically with a kidney stone? There can be various. Um holding on to fear and anxiety or just holding too rigid, you know, like I got to stick to the plan. Calcifying, turning into rock. Turning to legit. Yeah. More than one older gentleman in my family has had kidney stones. And it seems like, well, there's more than one thing going on there that I can see from the physical side it's related to eating too much red meat and fatty animal products. I'm sure in their particular cases, large, large amounts of animal products were part of the problem because they don't eat vegetables. So it was bordering on scurvy. <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> so that changes your uh, chemical balance, of course, right? Well, it makes you a little bit more acidic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the doctor even said that, that that drinking too much coffee in conjunction with too much red meat protein could be the problem. But mm-hmm. I also feel like calcifying is going on because mm-hmm. they don't they they're not much into change. It's scary, and the kidneys and adrenals govern fear, and especially if they want, they're seeking for a, a false sense of security. You know, they've been fed the programming that if you work hard, you know, you'll, life will be okay. And then every time life's not okay, you think it's because they're not working hard enough. When I feel like it's just life. And we, we are really hard on the body in forms of stress, uh, diet, how we, how we look at it. You know, we're, we're, we're being fed a lot of stuff on the phones that you know are filtered and cropped and edited so you look at yourself in the mirror before you get in the shower and nothing's filtered cropped or edited and you know you have a negative thought towards your body and your body absorbs that negative thought that becomes like a wrinkle in your brain and the more you feed it the deeper that wrinkle gets Mm -hmm. i mean it's just an opinion that uh life could be okay right there's no, there's no evidence that it's going to be okay <laughs> for anybody. <laughs> and, you know, I've met some people with some stories, you know, like you can't even, under, you can't even wrap your head around the, the journey they've been on and there was no guaranteed and, you know, and they're still here. They're still here showing up. And I, th- I think that's it. That's the key is the here showing up today. If you're connected to your body, you feed it better. And that's what the yoga has the potential to be. If it's not some sort of torture session, is yoga has the potential to bring you into your body connected and present. And uh, sometimes it gets a little crazy. People, you know, just power. I only do power yoga. You know, but the body needs to be able to be soft, (laughs) squeeze your veins. You can't be super hard because you'll squeeze your veins. That's hard on your heart. 
soft and flexible, strong. So you can handle what you what comes your way on the journey as it opens up in front of you. Your physical self is prepared to meet the challenge of today, which is extraordinary. Just, I mean, if you can, if you have enough water for the day, lots of places or people on this planet do not have enough water for the day. If you have enough food to fill your belly at least once in a day. Yeah, those people, if they had a cup of coffee, would pass out from the caffeine because they haven't had any. Right. At the strength that we make it. And the primal self, like that exists there. Those basic needs are in the second chakra. The, The food, the water, what are you feeding it? And then the appreciation and honor. And the and the play, like have have you can have fun with your body. Your body will take you incredible places if you care for it. You'll be able to uh, challenge yourself to run marathons or to climb mountains or to get in your kayak and be able to paddle. You know, it allows you freedom to explore this the earth. But we have been kind of pacified by false experiences like the blinky box, you know, where we watch people do things we want to do. There's so many people interested in, you know, like the gold pan and shows and stuff. And, you know, they just sit there and watch other people do cool stuff, but you can use your body to do really cool stuff. Uh, the book I was reading today, <clears throat> the author is a spiritual teacher and people were, telling him about uh, the one guy was writing an essay for school. The one kid was writing an essay for school about Star Star Wars. And somebody else was talking about uh, uh, one of the famous Indian, I can't remember what it's called now. It's about a large war. It's an Indian. It's an old text. You probably know the name better than I do. So this study group was reading this book. And his point was, all these people are, are reading and looking at these stories and watching movies and doing all these things, but they're not relating them to their own lives. So the mm-hmm. stories actually are really valuable if you internalize it and do something with it, then it's not just entertainment. For instance, if you think about the challenge that Luke Skywalker had mm-hmm. and how does that relate to your life? You know, when he's uh, about to gun down the Death Star, Mm-hmm. And he has to just trust and let go and not trust the experts was the point there. And that now that I think about it, his point was forget what the experts had told him and shoot the Death Star without the, uh, without the sensors, right? He followed his gut. Yeah. He's force. So everybody knows the story about the Jedis and everything else. And maybe you and I have thought about how that relates to us, but most people don't. They don't think okay, well, I just watched a superhero story. Now, how does that affect my life? Um, Do they even know about the force, though? I don't know, but same with the gold panning. How does that affect their life? It could. Mm -hmm. They could learn something new. Yeah, they could think it through. It, It doesn't have to be just pure entertainment. They'd have to apply it, though. Go find some gold. Not just be excited for that guy, you know? Go find your own gold. Go find your... And so many people don't know what they like to do. You know, or they're afraid to try and fail. And that fear, that fear of... Because the second chakra, you know, you can also... When you're... You you can have no action. 
if you're depressed enough or if you've been running your adrenal glands hard enough, you know, there's just nothing left to give. Well, one point I did study up on Jedi and I joined the Temple of the Jedi Order. Mm-hmm. And then once I read far enough into it, I realized that it was down a path I didn't want to go. So, so I did explore it somewhat. Do you know when you changed direction? Yes. So I read up on what one of the members was guiding other people to do as a meditation where you sit and you totally lose contact with the outside world and you forget that your body exists and you retreat inwards until you know nothing. And then I said, nope, not for me. No, no, that's the opposite of uh, what I do when I meditate. So where I become aware. And expand awareness. Yes. And maybe I unfairly um, jumped away from the Jedi, but that was, you know, at that time it felt like a dead end. So, and that was my sign. But I'm still a member. So there is no. I could, vo- I could vote as, as one of them on the uh, federal election. Could you? <laughs> to be in the body. And I was saying this the other day that it, that would be, it seems like a meditation you could get lost in. It, it seems like some people would end up psychotic to me. Complete detachment. I go the other way too. I'm in my body. I'm experiencing, I'm just aware of my surroundings just coming into and then I try to take that awareness with me and then slowly it dissipates as my ego takes the reins. <laughs> so that's that's where you have to give yourself the right to find your own way and not just blindly <clears throat> because if there's anything that had this the power to get me to join something it actually was you know something like Star Wars. I'm more likely to join something like that than any regular spiritual organization. Yeah. And even with that behind it, they couldn't, I wasn't willing to bend on the fact that I thought that that wasn't, wasn't going to work for me. I didn't really think about whether it would work for anybody else. I'm just like, no, that's, I'm not going to do that. It's a hard no. (laughs) I have my own process. (laughs) I have my own process. Well, at that time, I didn't really have one. No? Yet? No. I just oh. knew that wasn't going to be it. Hmm. The thing that it probably an easy way to get people to understand meditation. I'm not saying it doesn't have any benefits. That's right. It just felt totally wrong to me. So, like most for myself. Struggle to come into the body. Most people do struggle to come into the body. You have to make peace with a lot of your decisions when you're in your body. And gravity. It's easier for the mind to just detach from it. Well, as Alan Watts was saying in the one lecture I was listening to, the people that are overly spiritual are a bit jittery and serious mm-hmm. and not attached enough to the physical world. Mm-hmm. And on the other end, the people that are too sensual are all about enjoying things and they overdo that side to the point where it loses fun. A good martini tastes like medicine, is what he said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speak it, Alan. So that the way it would have to be the middle path. But the totally spiritual way would be to lose the body. Yeah. And transcend it, which <laughs> isn't of value to me because we're in our bodies. There'll be time for that later. Right? <laughs> whoa, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I want to eat this ice cream coat. 
pleasure. But guilt would also lead you to believe that you need to get rid of your body. Oh yeah, shame. Getting back, getting back to the second center here. I feel shame and guilt sometimes just for the way my body's shaped. And that's that's sexual trauma. You know, like I feel bad that my body gets someone excited. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I used to hide it. I don't anymore. I come a little bit more full circle into it. Because that's what I, you know, that's what you feel like you're being seen for. Where really the way my body is, the reason my body is shaped the way it is, is just a beautiful side effect of yoga. It's a side effect of my medication to be, to, for my body to be strong and flexible and lean. Where I've had medication in the past, like when they were trying to shrink the brain tumor, they were giving me, it was called shotgun therapy of prednisone steroid, which mm-hmm. made me uh, gain a lot of weight. That was the that was the start to the climb of 350. Was prednisone, so for like for, that was an, another clincher for me that my medication that I consider meditation and yoga me- medication for anxiety and depression, I felt it was holistic medicine when my body took shape. And I think I, everybody to a degree feels, even if they won't admit it, very few people are totally comfortable with their body. It's weird. I mean, if you look at it, it's gross. Like the body's gross. Like the 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 higher self, you know, like it's primal, it's got mites, it secretes things, you know. I think it's gross because of the programming we have though. Like we didn't invent that those are those opinions that we have about the way bodies are are given to us. Absolutely. Same with excrement. Like I've known some spiritual people who are into urine therapy. And they, you know, keep their body alkaline enough that they ingest their own urine. Which if you were to tell, you know, just a normal person on the street that, they'd think that that, it it would be hard for them to get it in their body. It'd be hard for someone to mentally, just from the way they're raised, to get the urine in their mouth. Did you ever watch the Sunday night sex show? Do you remember that? I, I was, listened to. <laughs> the lady who's rad. Is that the same one that was on the radio program? Old lady? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she had no shame. No, she was <laughs> like a pioneer of sexual shamelessness. And I appreciate her more than she'll ever know. I was actually YouTubing her stuff the other day, watching the Sunday night sex show, and she was just brilliant. I mean, she's talking about things that people were not talking about and providing education and understanding. And, you know, if and that's like, that's the key to acceptance is if you are educated about your body, if you are educated about how your body functions, it's a lot easier to get along with it. It's just like, she just, you know, she was talking about things. So in order to become educated about your body, you're not going to be able to sit every day for 20 minutes and turn totally away from it. No, I suggest you color a muscle chart. Like get to know your body structurally. Get to know your liver. What does it do? What happens to your liver when you drink a Red Bull? What are you doing to your system? So people, and I mean, men tend to do this a little more than women, I found, is that, you know, they'll have this car and they will... They will put the best oil in that car. 
And they will put the best gas in that car because they love that car. It takes them places. It's a symbol, you know. But then when it comes to their body, they you know they can. Yeah, they go to KFC. A KFC, they're pre- <laughs> you know, it's at lunch, you know. But that car, that car, and it's a, it's a, it's an exterior. Yeah. But your your body functions like a car. You are nothing but filters and pumps. And if you ingest too much, that's going to clog up your filters. If you put like a, you know, drop of diesel in your gas tank every time you fill up, eventually that's going to gum up the whole system. So what are you, what are you putting in it? Because that affects how your body feels and how your body feels has an effect on your mental state of affairs. You know, what does your appendix do? What is your, you know, I've said it before. People are like, I'm just getting a new hip. Like it's, you know, no, no big deal. Or the hip, if you get to know the hip, the hip's so cool. The hip is self-lubricating only joint in the body that has a full 180 degree turning radius. It, uh, you know, balances you. It absorbs the, the shock of your torso. You want square hips so your feet come to the earth evenly. How do you achieve square hips? You stretch. <laughs> it uh, <clears throat> A lot of what goes wrong with people's hips may be avoidable, but isn't because they never were shown by society that it's possible to do anything about the problems. And they can't defeat their programming on their own. And I think we might be a little apathetic by nature. Yeah, we might. You but know? a lot of these problems, if, if it was common, you know, for for people to eat eat healthier and you know get the right exercise, they wouldn't be. They wouldn't go. Uh, they maybe wouldn't wear out quite as fast. Pharma's big business. Yeah. Big money in pharmaceuticals. And you take, you know, a pharmaceutical for one issue and it creates another one. And then you t- take a pharmaceutical for that issue and it creates another side effect in which it disrupts another organ in the body that's processing perhaps something in the pharmaceuticals that it's not able to process. So then you need to take another pharmaceutical to support that organ or that system. Which I'm not saying that some medications are not life-saving and, and life-enhancing and you know, but is that your first line of defense? If you were to make uh, exercise and food your first line of defense to your physical body, I feel as though we would be using a lot less pharmaceuticals. And, but, but I mean, they do have their purpose, just like the x-ray, right? Like to know where mm-hmm. the bone's broken, how the bone's broken. That's brilliant information. You know, where my brain tumor was, how they were going to open, you know, like brilliant information. But are we overusing it? And if we did have exercise and meditation and, well, just self-care as our first line of defense, perhaps we wouldn't even have to engage in the, the large amount of antibiotics that we're consuming, which are creating these stronger, more resilient bugs. They're, they're trying to survive too, right? Just like we are. We're no different than the virus. It's going to get stronger and, and mutate and, and change. 
but you know what what makes it a little less likely for a virus to survive in a body an alkaline environment a deep rich oxygenation you know that makes it a little harder for disease to exist that doesn't mean you're immune to it you know but it definitely allows space for accountability and physical awareness that you're you're in charge of caring for your flesh mobile how do you use it sexually how do you use it physically how do you use it emotionally you know because even if you you never gain control of your emotions you just allow your mind to run wild and you never gain control of your emotions and you're addicted to that cycle of drama which is just a cycle of of loving adrenaline you know well i guess if you did that <clears throat> like you were a a golden retriever you know a golden retriever and you didn't store them after you just let her blast everything mm-hmm. would be okay <laughs> but it's, you- it's the after effects that you don't let go of you know because a dog will live totally in the moment and just you know they don't control their emotions either but they also don't hang on to them. They, they don't have guilt and shame. They'll just lick yeah. them forever. <laughs> the <clears throat> people get addicted to emotions, including bad ones, including bad ones. Oh yeah. Those are the best well, ones. Talking and about. Those, that's in quotation marks, bad, right. dark, heavy, we go with heavy, lower vibrating emotions. You know, and you just get used to the hormones your body gives off when you're experiencing those thoughts. But if you never learn to regulate your emotions, I mean, that's got to take a serious physical toll. Just as bad as junk food, just as bad, you know. Um, sex is hard on the physical body, too. In the addiction addiction to the, to the release hormones, you know. Mm-hmm. Or the additives in fast food that give us a nice shot of dopamine where like serotonin or being in peaceful space um, allows your body to rest from the effects of the thoughts and the emotions. It allows yourself to not have to biologically ride out the emotional response. Or reaffirm it, I guess. You could ride it out and let it go. Mm-hmm. Reaffirm it to stay in it, is what I'm trying to say. Which is the same of self-worth, you know? If you keep having thoughts of reaffirming thoughts to why you're not worthy of having money, having a good partner, having healthy relationships, if you keep reaffirming those thoughts, it creates trenches in the brain, creates neurological pathways that get strong. And to start deviating from those patterns is a is a is a process. Slow. First, you have to identify the pattern. Well, there's there's only there's slow to change it, or you have a bonfire. Yeah. And burn it. It's, that's the two methods, I guess, right? Or that's bulldozer. A, one's a sort that sort through your crap kind of an approach, and the other's a zen kind of approach. Zen says, just leave your garbage at the door. Don't take it. Put it down. Don't look through your garbage. Just put it down. And light it on fire. And light it on Phew. You know? <laughs> I mean, we haven't even scratched. Well, I guess we scratched the surface of the second chakra. 
How are you feeling about your body, your life, your emotions? How much fun are you having? Are you having too much fun? Are you eating too much ice cream? Everything in moderation. Like enjoy. I yeah. If you are having too much fun, you're probably going to feel guilty. Is there too much fun? Because I mean, the point where it becomes guilty is where it owns you. Your thoughts. It becomes you need it. You need it. Yeah, you're driven. You know, you're driven to it. Where you can have an extraordinarily, you know, amount of fun playing with life. But are you, you know, falling into a slippery slope of pacification? Like, are you pacifying something within yourself or suppressing something or not allowing something or, you know, how are you treating you? What are you saying about you? So I'm just reading real quick here on, on this site and it says, passion is the fuel of creative energy. Everything you create, a poem, a drawing or a website originates from the energy of the second chakra. Mm-hmm. I'll create all kinds of things, but I'll only do it to a certain point And then I want to do something different. There's a lot of things I want to do. I don't want to just do one thing. So for instance, I'm, I wrote articles every day until I went back to work. Mm-hmm. I wrote uh, 70 articles in, you know, 50 days or whatever. Now, I haven't stopped writing, but I stopped writing articles at that site because it's, just, it's very time consuming and I'm working again, and I have all these other things I want to do. So I've started drawing because I can fit that into the, into the in-between times, right? I can just pick up and draw something and then not be drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where guilt comes in because part of me does feel guilty because I never steadily just focus on one thing. I guess it's a part of our society, but we feel like you have to, if you're an artist, you've always got to be doing that kind of art, you know, for instance. I would die. Or if you're a writer, you've always got to be writing that kind of writing. I can't do that. Well, apparently I can't either, but part of me does feel guilty because I've drawn the line and said, you know what, I'm, this is not fun for me because it's too much work right now and i got to do something different. Like, I, I feel like a true artist can't allow guilt to influence the work because that'll change it. Absolutely. I guess you still can, but it changes it. There's no hard and fasts, but there's <laughs> the work. What's going what's to make it the most fun? Right? It's going to come back to play. You're not going to want to. The more you feel guilty about something, the more you'll resist it. So now I'm not making as much money on writing. A second shocker, too. But Are on the other hand, work? <laughs> I'm making more money at work. So I don't know. It, it's just. Uh, Art is a weird thing because so many people are tied up in art and they don't understand what they are tied up in. They, uh, they'll be working hard at their job, which they decided they hate because it's a job and you must hate whatever you do as a job. It's a rule in our society, right? Mm-hmm. So whether or not they would on their own, they've been told that Monday sucks and they have to hate their job and Friday's great and the weekend's wonderful. <laughs> it's all a program, you know, that's not an individual, that's an opinion that somebody gave them and they took it. <clears throat> and then they said, well, what if I became an artist and I could make money doing something I love? So I must love art. And then they start trying, you know, any art is worthwhile, <clears throat> but the motivation is not play. 
Not really. The motivation quite often is they're going to escape their job. So the creativity is hampered. And then they're not making it for themselves anymore either. They are now making it because they think they can make money off of it somehow, right? So that means it's got to be what other people would want. And that ties right back into guilt. Well, a lot of people don't want to take the time to do art. That's true. But I'm, I'm thinking of the people that I know that are doing art. Yeah. Their motivations are suspect to me. I've spent a lot of time around artists in my life. And there's the desperation art. I've seen it a lot. Where they are desperate for somebody to love, to love it. Yeah. And it makes me feel bad. And I, I, I see, especially if you go to a craft show and they're standing beside it. And there's like lots of them standing around like that. And you can't possibly love all the art no. because that would mean spending a lot of money. Right. Well, even as an artist, I can't put it out there for people to like, like I, I appreciate the heart that my art meets and we resonate and my heart and my art inspires them in some way to go deeper within themselves. But I cannot listen to the people. I don't do it to be for the gratification of being liked. I do it because if I don't get it out of my body, <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Like it makes me, I love creating it. And, and I was laughing at myself the other day because when I teach, I consider teaching being a working artist, the art of breath. Um, my art actually doesn't produce anything mm -hmm. but relaxed people. So it's not like a song or, you know, like a, painting or it's just it's a flash in the pan it's just one class at a time it's whoever's in the room we experience it together and it's never to be duplicated it's always that that intimate connection of that one particular class well no art is permanent just some last longer than others i think that we could translate that to our personal lives as well yes so what's the point Right. What's, yeah. Just do it. Well, the kind of art that I make, it's more like I toss around like garbage and leave it behind me everywhere I go. <laughs> it's almost all about the process, including writing. Because it's an, it's an incredible energy to, to, to move through you. What and withdraw. Go ahead. Sorry. What if we used our bodies to see and do as much? as we possibly could knowing that not all art, which I mean, I, that comes up a lot in class that my life is a painting and it's not finished and it won't be finished until I can't add a stroke to the canvas anymore. Right. Like that's, do I keep changing the, the painting? Do I keep making it deeper and richer and, you know, and exploring what arrives, like it's what shows up instead of us, making things happen or you know forcing our way through life can we just kind of see what opens up and play with it you know don't just chase that one hard crush don't limit yourself you know same with that one job don't limit yourself that one friend don't limit yourself that, that one meditation technique don't limit yourself exactly the end like we're so focused on the end of the road that we forget to dance 
like we're just trudging along, like <laughs> trying to get to retirement, which, you know, I, when you have cancer young, you retirement's a joke. Well, it's I'm, always a joke. <laughs> I'm, I'm living on borrowed time. I don't know when this, you know, when the song's going to end. The whole idea of retirement was created very recently in history, mm-hmm. which means that most, well, most people on earth will not be able to re- retire as North Americans know it to start with. And maybe most North Americans will not be able to retire as North Americans think it is. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy thing. Maybe it'll restore us a space of community and care. Like in poor countries where you kind of just accept you're going to work till you die. They take care of their parents. You know, They have family compounds. Everybody eats. Everybody works together instead of, the the nuclear family that just you know everybody's trying to make it on their own where we got you know they have to resolve a lot of issues that that we just don't have to and and community i think would exist in the very close to the first and the second because how we're feeling about ourselves determines how we feel like we're being received by the community what we're telling ourselves you know well we should probably wrap wrap up. up all right I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye.